Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. And we're going to dive in right, right in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read the first 10 verses. That's what we're going to cover today. Again, throughout the eight weeks, uh, throughout the entire summer, we're going to preach one message in eight parts. Okay, so this is like a really good series all right like when you catch it on netflix like you can't miss an episode you know what i'm saying and so if you had plans to miss a sunday cancel your plans right now we're gonna break it down in eight weeks six chapters 148 verses we're gonna read the first first 10 verses here we go ready paul an apostle sent not from men nor by a man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul wants to let him know, listen, I'm not ordained by man. I haven't been selected by man. Man may have recognized my calling, but the one that has called me, he he wants to lay out his resume a little bit to the people that he's talking to. He says, listen, I've been appointed and called by God and all the brothers and sisters with me. Grace and peace to you for, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself, watch the language here, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now watch verse 6. is a twist of events. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and and they're trying to prevent or pervert I should say the gospel of Christ verse 8 but if it, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you've accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of people? Now watch what he's saying. He's not saying that God's going to curse you. What he's saying is that there is such a behavior or there's something that God has ordained as cursed and it's your willful decision to choose to live up under it. So there are these curses that are under principles and what God says is that I've cursed that principle if you walk by that way you are placing yourself under something that you were never created to place yourself under he says I'm not trying to win the approval of human beings or I am trying to please people if I was still trying to please people, now watch what he's saying. He's not saying you shouldn't care about people. He's not saying you shouldn't love about people. He is saying that there comes a time in your walk with faith, in your walk with Christ, where you may have to make a decision. Am I going to live my life trying to live by the affirmations of people or live by the guidelines of people or try to simply please everyone that I come into contact? Or am I going to stand firm in Christ and who he has created me to? be he says it comes a time that you got to make that decision if I was still trying to please people I wouldn't be able to be a servant of Christ why 
Because God's going to call you to do some things that will displease certain people. Again, this is not to say that we are to hate people. This is not to say that we are to um, um, cut people off. This is to say that there are sometimes we have to take a stand for the faith that we declare. I'm going to jump back to verse 6 because this is really where we're going to land in today. Oh, there's no countdown? You know we're going over time today. Come on. <laughs> All right. Verse 6. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we share together. I pray that you speak through me, Lord God, less of me, more of you, until there's none of me and all of you, that I may decrease and that you may increase, that your love and strength be perfected in my weakness. I pray that you allow me to preach this three-hour message in 30 minutes in the power of Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And everybody says... Let's give God a shout of praise. Let's give it up for the worship team and the musicians one more time. Come on, make some noise. All right. Um, uh, has anybody ever had to defend something that were, they were absolutely passionate about? You know when you defend something and you defend something that you're passionate about, it's completely different. There's a different energy that comes with when you're defending something you are passionate about. Hence, the example that I'm going to use today because when I was married, when, when I, not was married, when I am, you know, anyway, Jesus fix it. Um, being married to Lisa the first year of, of our marriage, something happened, and, and um, I learned quickly what Lisa's passionate about, you know, and uh, there was one time, you know, one, me, and I was an innocent victim, I'm just be honest, right, that's the truth, I was an innocent victim, and one of my roommates, I mean, one of my stepkids, what was I saying, um, she didn't like that joke when I said it at home, but I'm not looking that way for a reason. Um, uh, one of my stepkids thought it, was, uh, it, was, it would be the, the funniest thing to pull a prank on me. And, and, and my, son, my stepson, Marlon, what he did is that he stood behind me. And I, I'm a grown man. Like, you don't play with me like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't play with me like that. I'm a grown man. Right? And so I'm, 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 I'm minding my own business. And he gets behind me. And he thought it would be a great idea to pull my ears apart. Exactly. And then come back with a slap to my ears, creating a suction between the hand and the eardrum, exploding my ears, blood coming out. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it hurt. And for whatever reason, he thought it would be good to do that. He did that and he ran away and I was livid. I, I got up because I was sitting down. I got up. Lisa was laying down on the bed. I came out of the room and I said, Lisa, get your son. And let me tell you, I said it. I know I shouldn't have said it. I know I regret saying it, but I said it. I said, Lisa, come get your son. She said, what? I said, come get your son. And I said, I said before I hurt him. I know. I know. <laughs> I did it too. And I promise you, Lisa was laying down and she levitated like the undertaker. She said, <laughs> she said, what? Lisa wasn't even talking to me. That's how she went somewhere, all right? I'm letting you know right now. Lisa went somewhere because she wasn't even talking to me. She said, what? She said, oh, ain't nobody gonna, ain't nobody gonna hurt my son. She, was, she didn't even come to me. She just kept walking. Oh, ain't nobody. She was talking to somebody, but she wasn't talking to me. But she was making sure that I heard her. Ain't nobody going to hurt my baby. I'm telling you. Lisa was defending not some case at work. She wasn't defending if the Knicks were going to make it to the playoffs. She, again. 
she was defending something she was absolutely passionate about. She was defending something that she loved. And I want to let you know this is the same way we are to encounter this book today. That we are to encounter an Apostle Paul who, who is coming on full-blown defense mode of the gospel. This is the tone that you hear Paul come into this book. He's defending what he's most passionate about. The Apostle Paul steps into the picture. He's like, there's not room for chit-chat. Hey, let me tell you, Jesus Christ saved me. He is, he, is, he is God. He rescued us from this present age. By the way, I am astonished. I love it. He's passionate about what he's defending. And, and, and just to give you an, a, com a comparison, the book of Galatians is different from other books of the Bible because, like, if you give me an example, uh, the book of Galatians is different from the book of Romans. When you look at the book of Romans, the book of Romans is a book that was written to promote the faith or the gospel. But the book of Galatians is actually to defend the gospel. The book of Romans is a book that you could communicate it as a book of offense, while the book of Galatians is a book, a book of defense. The book of, 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 of Romans is a book that wants to communicate, hey, listen, let me express to you how beautiful the gospel is and let me introduce you to it. While the book of Galatians is written for a totally different reason, it's written to defend the gospel from different gospels and perverted gospels. And so when we encounter this book, the essence of this book is that people had already been set free. People had already been experienced God's freedom, but then they encountered a false gospel and began to be persuaded by a false gospel and not believing that salvation is through faith in Christ alone. And so I want to give you the tone here. I love this. Let's, let's read verse six again. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. The one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, confusion and you are trying to pervert, and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul wrote this letter to a group of churches that, are, that he planted and ended up being influenced by a group of Jewish Christians that were bad-mouthing Paul. And they were saying, yeah, Jesus saves, but we believe in Jesus, but you also have to follow A, B, and C. They're like, yeah, we believe Jesus saves. He's the Messiah, but you also have to follow the law. Yeah, we believe in Jesus. He saves, but in order for you to really be saved, then you have to abide by our traditions. The Galatians began to get swept up in a false gospel. And this is why I love Paul. Like, he's radical. Paul is like, I am astonished. I am flabbergasted. I am dumbfounded. I am bewildered that you've experienced the true, authentic, genuine, potent gospel, and you have returned back to a false one. How is it that you have gone back to a counterfeit when you've experienced the real thing? Paul is, is, is like bewildered by the thought that you have tasted of God's goodness, but you prefer to go back to your traditions. 
He's saying, like, you have tasted God's greatness, but you prefer to go back to what you are accustomed to, what you are familiar to. And, and I love the, the connection that he makes. If you notice it in verse 6 and 7, he says, he says, he says Paul makes this connection. He says, with Christ, with grace, the gospel, and Jesus. He makes this connection with grace, the gospel, and Jesus. And essentially what the apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, listen, you've turned away from the true gospel. But the reason that you've turned away from the true gospel is because you have turned away from the one. I'll say it this way. Paul is saying, you have turned away from the true gospel because you have disconnected the true gospel from God's grace. But watch this, watch this. It gets even deeper. But you have disconnected God's grace from the one who's called you. So it's no wonder that you can see the grace of God in the gospel simply as, a, as an amendment to the law or as an additional thing that you are to abide by. But you don't realize that you have disconnected it from the one because you're turning away from the gospel is easy because you've turned away from the one. You have turned away from the one that alone can save. You've turned away from the one that makes grace tangible you've turned away from the one that saves alone you you've turned away from the one that truly can transform your life you've turned away not from a theory not from an idea not from a doctrine not from an, a, a concept you've turned away from a person the one that has called you the one that has transformed you the one that has changed you the one that has rearranged your heart soul and mind you've turned away from the one that's why it's so easy for you to turn away from the gospel because your view of the gospel is simply an idea, concept, a theory. He says, but you don't realize that the gospel is the grace of God and you don't realize that the grace of God is simply another name of Jesus. You've turned away from the one the Jews began to preach a message that the gospel says, yes, Jesus, but Jesus plus something equals salvation. It's Jesus is grace that you're supposed to live in? Yeah, I know that, but you're also supposed to live by the law. It's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus your, your good works. It's Jesus, Jesus plus you do this, and then you are saved. Jesus plus your devotion, and then you are saved. And what happened is that the, church, the churches in Galatia began to eat this up because it was all familiar to them. So they began to say, okay, yeah, that's right, that makes sense. Like, like God, like, okay, Jesus is the Messiah, but it's also my, my, my effort and my work. And, and, and this is the mathematical equation that Paul begins to present to the churches in Galatia. He begins to say, listen, I need you to hear me loud and clear. The whole entire book, this is just an introduction. The whole entire book is predicated on this one thing. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Oh, that was a good time to say amen. I heard them online right there. They said amen. Y'all didn't hear them, but I heard them. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Say it with me. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Kuha, can I tell you that if we get this wrong, everything else we build on will collapse. If we get this wrong, we will never be able to live a true, free life in Christ. 
I mean, you could come to church, you can sing the songs, you could clap your hands, you could do the shimmy, you can, you can uh, play, play an instrument, you can um, come to prayer, you can do all that. But if your relationship with God and your salvation is predicated upon God doing his part and you doing yours, then you are creating a very shaky foundation for your relationship and salvation with God. And why does this matter? Because there's two kinds of people that are coming to church. There's the people that live by Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And then there's people that have subscribed to a religion that says Jesus plus their something equals something. Equals salvation. So it's Jesus plus my devotion. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, no, no, no. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. In fact, Jesus plus something ruins everything. Jesus plus anything ruins anything. Hey, if you stick your two cents into being part of the work of salvation, you are ruining the salvation that you need to be grounded in. But when you realize that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, you're saying, this is what Paul is saying. He says, it's not Jesus plus your devotion that equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus your ability that equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus your obedience that equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus how much you come to church that equals your salvation. It's not Jesus plus your prayer life that equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus your Bible reading that equals salvation. It's not Jesus plus how much you sing that equals salvation. It's not Jesus but how much you practice equals salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. He says, my friends, the moment you play a part in the work of your salvation, it ruins the foundation by which your relationship with God stands. Paul says, Jesus, don't you understand that you've disconnected? You've turned away from the one? I never read it that way. I always read it like he turned away from the gospel, from, from a true gospel to a false gospel. But I never saw that moment where they said, you've turned away from the one. And it all, it all makes sense to me. He says, don't you know that Jesus completes salvation he says why are you trying to add to a salvation that has already been completed in christ jesus is alone is the one that saves oh by the way the title to my message is this jesus saves come on somebody i'm gonna keep it simple for those online my message is simple jesus saves jesucristo salva hallelujah Paul is saying Jesus saves. Jesus is the one that came and was born of a virgin. Jesus is the one that grew up and lived a sinless life. Jesus alone is the one that was wrongfully accused and sentenced to death. Jesus alone is the one that carried a criminal's death. Jesus is the one, the one that carried a criminal's cross. He's the one that died a criminal's death. Jesus alone defeated sin, death, shame, and guilt. Jesus alone made a public spectacle of Satan. Jesus alone was buried for three days and on the third day rose again. Salvation starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus and it's only through Jesus. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. He writes elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace, ooh, for by grace, you have been saved by faith. I love this. I love this. Watch this. Look at the connection. So by grace, you have been saved by faith. Now watch. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. In other words, in other words, grace and faith is not something you do. 
It's something you simply receive. I think, I think the church of God needs to start becoming anointed in receiving the gift of God's grace. Instead of trying to do more and be more and become more and just, right, just receive the grace of God. And by sheer consequence, you will be able to do more and be mere. By sheer consequence of the grace of God. He says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did. In other words, grace and faith is something that God does and gives. You think it's your faith? It's God's faith in you. The Bible says that when you are faithless, he is faithful. He says, nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it is the love gift of God, the love gift of God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. The entire uh, boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. The word grace in this is the word that Paul uses to, to use interchangeably with the word gospel in Jesus. So he says things like the gospel of Christ, the grace of Christ, the gospel of grace. But he uses them and communicates them interchangeably as if they all represent the same thing that he is trying to make a point out of. In other words, to to turn from the gospel of grace is to turn from the gospel of Christ. And to turn from the gospel of Christ is to turn from the grace of Christ. And all to communicate that the gospel is centered on the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And I love that here, it's, it's like if God has specifically designed salvation uh, in a way that Intention, intentionally did not include any of your effort. God dis designed salvation in such a way that, that he, he, he creates this way of, of becoming reconciled with him that has nothing to do with you. This needs to be a reminder to us, and I don't know who this is for today, but there are some people here who are struggling on this concept deeply. There's some people here that that we kind of think that salvation is something like God has the football and he runs the 50-yard line and then says, go ahead, homie, you do the rest. When you need to realize that salvation is God running the whole 100 yards and then giving you all the benefits of the win that he just accomplished. It's God obtaining healing on his own and then giving it to you as a gift and as a recipient, as a beneficiary of what God has already accomplished. The reason that we're righteous is not because we've done our part. The reason that we could live righteous is because God has ran all 100 miles and says now you can receive righteousness. And so the gospel of grace is everything Jesus and Paul's like, oh, no, you're, you're not saved by grace and something else. It's God designed that nothing you could ever do will be able to earn you salvation. You want to know why grace is powerful? It's because Jesus is powerful. See, it's, it's connected to a person. And this is why when people, um, 
I want to say it this way. There are some people that in the name of grace would say something like, yeah, I live, I live any way I want because there's grace for that. No, no, no. You've encountered an idea, a concept, a notion, but you have not encountered the person. See, see when I, I, I love Lisa and the love that we have for one another doesn't compel me to go out and walk out on her. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. The love that, that we have, when it's true love, listen, you will do more for love than you will ever do for your discipline. It's not a set of rules that keep me connected to Lisa. It's the love that we possess that keeps me faithful to Lisa. The love that we have for one another doesn't make me or say, oh, you know what, I'm going to go do what I want. No, because I am connected. I am devoted not to a concept, not to rules, not to regulations, not even to punishment. I am devoted and connected to a person. And this is why grace is, grace is powerful because it's connected to a person. See, grace, is, grace works because Jesus works. Grace saves because Jesus saves. Grace heals because Jesus heals. Grace can set you free because Jesus sets you free. This is why Acts chapter 4, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures. Jesus is the one who's referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that your builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus. God has not, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia to say, listen, I'm giving you a warning. Beware of a gospel where Jesus is not enough for salvation. He says, how, who has, a couple of chapters later, we'll talk about when Paul says, who has bewitched you? It's like, like it seems like someone has put a hex on you. How is it that so easily you have turned into a false, turned away from the true gospel and turned into a, you have turned away from the true gospel and turned to a false gospel? And as the worship team comes up, and if someone, one of our team members, if you bring me some, a towel, is hot in here, but I ain't taking off my clothes. Okay. That's how it sounded in my mind, but hey. The Apostle Paul says, I am astonished, church. I am astonished that you have turned quickly, deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And verse 7 says, which is no gospel at all. Thank you so much, friend. I needed this. Which is no gospel at all. And look what he says. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. And they're trying to pervert. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. You know, some of us may not realize 
that one of the strategies of the enemy is to shake your foundation. And this is why so many Christians are living bound lives. Because their relationship with God, there's some people, till this day, they won't even come to church. You know why? Because they don't feel good enough. They feel like they have to get it together before they can come to God. That is the opposite of the gospel. And what the enemy does is that he keeps you trapped in the belief that it's you doing your part and then you're saved. You don't realize it's not you getting it together then coming to Christ. No. You come to Christ so he can get things together in your life. And he says, listen, there's some people that have come into your flock and they have made you believe that it's Jesus plus something. It's Jesus plus this. It's Jesus plus A, B, and C. And watch what he says. He says, they have turned you to a false gospel, which is no gospel at all. I want to say it this way. They have turned you, you have turned to a counterfeit gospel. And this is what I thought about. I, want, I was one time, and Emily would probably know this better than I do. But I was talking to a banker one time, and, and they told me very clearly. They said, the way we are able to tell the counterfeit is because we study the original and the, the real. You see, I don't have to study everybody's voice to distinguish the voice of my wife. I promise you, line up a thousand voices, and I'm going to hear that voice wherever it comes from. Why? Because I've spent time with that voice? Because I've heard that voice whisper? Because I've heard that voice yell? Because I've heard that voice be loving? And I've heard that voice be stern 50% of the time. But I've heard that voice in every inflation, in every tone, in every facial expression because I've spent time with the person that speaks. And so I can tell somebody call, hey, papi, hey, babe. I'm like, first of all, hey, babe, it's me, Lisa. I'm like, first of all, my wife don't call me babe. Click. Hey, I'm Lisa. No, I know Lisa. I know Lisa's voice. I've heard Lisa's voice. I even know Lisa's voice when she's sick because she sounds like Lewis. Matter of fact, when, she, when she's sick and she calls me, I'll be like, what up, Lou? She'll be like, what up, son? So I was in the mall we have two minutes and 57 seconds and a group of people came up to me and we don't want to shout anybody out I never want to speak wrong about anybody but a group of people came and said to me hey can we teach you the Bible 
And I said, sure. They're like, are you familiar with the Bible? And I was like, kind of. And Bishop was right next to me, my son. And he was like, you read the Bible? And I was like, yeah, occasionally. And like, we would like to teach you the Bible. I'm like, I'll be your student. What's up? And they began to present to me a different gospel. Now watch this. I didn't know what belief system they had. But I didn't need to be familiar with their beliefs to understand the true belief. Right? Because even with the same Bible that they were using, I began to ask questions about the real gospel. Brother, okay, I understand that you're telling me that I, I have to believe in a mother God and I have to believe in these things. But can I take you to the book of Galatians? Can I show you here that when it says that even if we come preaching to you another gospel, let him be accursed. As brother, according to this, there is only salvation amongst one name. Because he said to me that I wasn't saved because I didn't believe in Mother God. He said I wasn't saved because I didn't believe in another person who self-professed to be Christ. And I just simply said, listen, I get that. But the book that I have in my hand and the iPad that you're using to teach me tells me this, that there is salvation only on one name and his name is Jesus. I don't know who's wrestling with this today, but I want to pray for you. I received the email and it said, hey, I, I love God, but I don't even know if I'm saved. I love Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. I worship him. But I don't know if he wants a relationship with, him, with me. And I said, why? I said, why? And their response was, because I don't evangelize enough. I want to pray, but I don't pray enough, and I probably should pray more. You see that? It's that person subscribed to the notion Jesus plus something equals salvation. I told that young man, I said, listen, brother, those things are good to do, and they are beneficial for your walk and your relationship with God, but they're not, they don't play a single part in the work of your salvation. You don't, you, you're not saved because of those things. You're saved because of Christ. And because you are saved because of Christ, he has empowered you to do those things. You were saved for good works. You're not saved by good works. So maybe today you've been wrestling with that notion. Maybe you come from different backgrounds where they say that it's Jesus, yeah, but you also have to. I want to remind somebody today that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. He did all the work. He says, receive my free gift of life, righteousness. Let's pray. I want to pray for anybody that wants to place their faith in this Jesus that we're talking about. And I want to pray for anyone who wants to now switch over and say, I, I refuse to live by salvation plus my devotion, my good works. I want to switch over to this mathematical equation that we find in the book of Galatians. Salvation plus nothing equals salvation. Uh, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If you want to place your faith in Jesus, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I received your free gift of salvation. Say it with me. Thank you for your love. I thank you for your free forgiveness. 
from this day forth, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Father, I pray for every single person that said that prayer. And I release, oh God, right now, freedom in Christ over their life, Lord God. That they will no longer be bound to religion. That they will no longer be enslaved to the familiarity of their past. But that they will walk in the complete freedom that's been made available to them in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.